Welcome to the On The Air podcast for November 2022. For this episode, we're talking about satellite operating, which we introduced in the November-December issue of On The Air with an article entitled, Ham Radio Satellites, Reliable, Accessible, and Enjoyable by Sean Kutzko, KX9X. Uh, Sean is the former ARRL Contest Branch Manager and Media and Public Relations Manager, as well as creator of ARRL's 2016 National Parks on the Air operating event. He is an avid satellite operator, and we've got him on the podcast today to talk about satellites. Welcome, Sean. Hi, Becky. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. So, satellite operating... We, we talk about satellite operating, but what is it exactly? Like, we're not actually operating the satellite ourselves. The satellite is doing its own thing, and we're just sort of like tapping into it somehow. What exactly is going on there? That's exactly correct. I mean, you're not actually controlling the satellite. You're using the satellite as a sort of intermediary to uh, have contacts with other ham radio operators through the satellite. So a satellite is um, uh, basically uh, a device that uh, you use to communicate with other amateur radio operators through it. Um, there are a few different types of satellites that are in orbit right now. There are satellites that use FM, which function basically like an orbiting repeater. One person can access the satellite at any one point in time. Uh, there are satellites called linear satellites, which use sideband and CW, and those allow multiple users to communicate through the satellite simultaneously. Uh, and it sounds much like tuning through, say, an HF band, like 20 meters. You'll hear multiple mm -hmm. people having contacts at the same time. And then there's also a, a variety of satellites uh, that use digital modes that are called uh, that function much like a digipeter in orbit. So uh, those satellites use a uh, packet in order to communicate th uh, to each other. And all of this is done in real time. Real time. Okay. Um, so what, why would somebody do this? Um, you know, you say they're sort of like repeaters. Um, why wouldn't somebody just get on the repeater? What, what's different about satellite operating? Well, the big advantage to satellite operating is that it allows people to use uh, primarily the FM frequencies. So the mm -hmm. satellites function primarily uh, using a combination of two meters and 70 centimeters. Uh, mm -hmm. And normally those frequencies don't travel very far. Uh, but using satellites, you can communicate with other ham radio operators hundreds or even thousands of miles away using the satellite as an intermediary. So if you're interested in communicating over longer distances, uh, then satellite operating is something that uh, every ham radio operator can use to facilitate that. Uh, it's, ex it's especially inviting to hams who are uh, technician class licensees here in the United States because it gives you the opportunity to communicate over much greater distances than you would using your local repeater. Yeah, that is one of the cool things that uh, you can be a tech and you can get on the satellites. Um, I know in, in the November-December issue, um, we talk a bit about satellite footprints um, being the area um, 
in which you can make contacts through the satellite as it moves, the footprint moves. So, um, so that I'm guessing that's related to the ability to make these longer distance contacts. If you're in the footprint, you've got this wider range. That's correct. So a satellite footprint is uh, simply the area of coverage that the satellite has as it orbits over the Earth. Um, the vast majority of satellites that ham radio operators can use are in what they call a low Earth orbit, which is mm -hmm. about five or 600 kilometers above the surface of the Earth. Uh, they move across the sky very quickly relative to our position on Earth. Uh, and a satellite pass, which means the point of time from which it pops up over your horizon to the point of time that it drops down below your horizon at the end of the pass is around 15 minutes or so. Uh, so the, the availability of uh, communicating through other people through the satellites is, uh, is relatively brief. Uh, the area of coverage is known as the footprint, and as the satellite is orbiting overhead, the people in range of the satellite will change as the satellite moves overhead. So uh, the ability for you to communicate with other people uh, will, sh will shift as the satellite uh, continues its orbit overhead. So for example, if a satellite is coming uh, from your south and traveling to your north, you will hear stations further south from you at the very beginning of a satellite pass, and then 15 minutes will elapse as the satellite passes overhead. And then at the end of the satellite pass, you will hear stations more to your north. So uh, the ability to communicate through the satellite, the distances that it will cover changes in that 15 minute time period. Hmm. So you've got only 15 minutes it's constantly moving. It's con so who you can hear, what you can hear is constantly shifting. This sounds like it's kind of fast and furious. Is, is this like crazy times on the air or, or what? It certainly can be, um, especially yeah. on uh, an FM satellite where only one person can access the satellite at a time, just like one person can access your local repeater at a time. Uh, so if you have several people who are trying to communicate through the satellite, it can be very, very, uh, very, very hectic at times. Um, however, uh, it can also be very, very exciting. Um, there is not a lot of uh, slow speed communication or rag chewing, as we would say, uh, on the satellite passes. Uh, the, uh, the idea uh, during a satellite pass is to exchange very basic information. Normally that is your call sign and your maidenhead grid square. Uh, if you're not familiar with grid squares, a grid square is two degrees of longitude wide by one degree of latitude tall. And there are approximately 488 maidenhead grid squares in the 48 contiguous United States. Um, and a lot of uh, satellite operators in the, in the States are trying to uh, make contact with all 488 of those grid squares through the satellites. Uh, and there are about roughly two dozen different satellites that are in orbit right now. So uh, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a competition. It's a bit of a game. Uh, it's a little bit exciting. And uh, uh, there, are, there are a lot of satellite operators who take great pleasure and enjoyment in, in pursuing this, uh, this operating award. So, uh, oh, you mentioned... Uh 
awards. So you can you can earn awards on satellite. Absolutely, the ARRL offers several awards that uh, satellite operators can pursue. Um, one of them is the Worked All States Award. So if you can make a community, if you can make a contact through satellites. Uh, with all 50 states, you get an award for that. Uh, there is also the AWRL VUCC award, which stands for VHF UHF Century Club. And the goal for that award is to confirm 100 different grid squares through the satellite. That is a relatively easy award to pursue uh, via satellite. So, um, and uh, the, uh, the, Radio Amateur Satellite Corporation of America, known as AMSAT, they also have uh, operating awards for satellite operators too. Cool. So, um, so in terms of th this fifteen-minute satellite pass being a, a very limited time, you're exchanging very limited information, um, and it it all goes really fast. I understand you brought a clip um, that we can actually listen to. Yes, I did. Uh, so uh, one of the, uh, as I was just mentioning earlier, there are there are hams who try to establish contact with uh, all 488 maidenhead grid squares in the United States. Some of these uh, some of these grid squares are very lightly populated, and so there aren't any satellite operators that live in these grids. So uh, uh, some hams, including myself, will go on little expeditions known as grid expeditions to uh, activate these rarer grids via satellite. And it's, it's just like an HFD expedition, only on a much smaller scale. Uh, and the, the entire purpose is to, uh, to put these very rare grid squares on the air for the satellite community. And the clip that I have is from um, a, a when, when satellite operators go on these expeditions, it is known as a rove. And uh, you you will sign uh, you will sign your you will give your call sign and then uh, uh, add the rover tag at the end of it. Some of us do anyway, uh, and uh, that lets people on the satellite know that you are not operating from your home grid square. You are in fact putting a a different grid square on the air via satellite. So that lets satellite operators know that oh I should pay attention to this guy because he's not necessarily at home. So uh, it might be a rare location for me. So the clip that I brought is me back in July of 2022, transmitting from Glacier National Park at uh, Logan Pass, which has an elevation of about 8,000 feet. Uh, and it's uh, uh, the, the clip that I brought is using the AO91 satellite, which is an FM satellite. So the audio is very clear, but only one person can access it at a time. Yes, it is. That's fast. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, so you were in Grid Square Delta November three eight. Delta November three eight. Okay, so that's where you were. So you were giving that out. I, I heard you um, giving that out to the people who were calling you. Yeah. So how many how many people was that? Four or five? That was about. Uh, gosh, I wasn't paying that much attention. Yeah. I, it's, it's in the neighborhood of five or six, and that's a fifty second clip of a fifteen minute satellite pass. Mm. So I yeah. think on that I think on that particular satellite pass I talked to about twenty five different people in less oh. than fifteen minutes. Mm -hmm. Cool. So uh, yeah, I can see how that would be exciting. Um, so what? Uh, how did you get into this? What is exciting about it for you? Uh, well, that's a that's a great question actually. So you know I've been licensed for a very long time. I've I've had my my license since 1982, and I got started in amateur radio by you know more conventional interests. I was uh, interested in HF DXing and HF contesting, and over the course of time, I worked a lot of different countries for the DXCC award, and I did very well in numerous contests over the years, and I was simply looking for another challenge. Uh, that was coupled with uh, me living in apartments, so I couldn't put uh, a permanent antenna up. So all my operating had to shift to being more portable operating. So I was looking for a way that I could enjoy amateur radio, but not necessarily have a station at home and have gear that was extremely lightweight and portable. So I could just grab it at a moment's notice and go out and set up very quickly and get my ham radio fix and then put everything back in the car and go back home. So satellite operating uh, was, uh, it, it, it checked off all sorts of things that I personally find interesting in amateur radio. It was, it was portable, it was lightweight, so I was able to get on the air even though I was living in an apartment. Uh, it was uh, uh, coming from an, a, a DXing and a contesting background on HF. There was the excitement of making very fast contacts uh, with lots of people. There's the uh, enjoyment of pursuing the uh, the grid award that I was describing earlier, trying to communicate with as many different grid squares as possible over the course of time. Uh, I like, uh, I'll, you know, I'll be honest, I enjoy the uh, attention that I get when I go uh, transmit from a rare grid square. I like being the station that people are looking for and being able to hand out uh, a rare location to other hams via satellite. So that particular aspect was checked off. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's an extremely satisfying aspect of the hobby whether you're just getting started in amateur radio or if you've been licensed for a long time and you're looking for something new uh, another one of the big things that's appealing to me about satellite operating is that it is not subject to the fluctuations of propagation and band conditions that the HF bands are satellites are uh, the passes that a satellite makes are predictable weeks or months in advance. So you you can uh, you know exactly when the satellite's going to be overhead. You can plan uh, some operating time around it. No matter where you are, if you're at home or you're on a business trip or you're on a family vacation, you can always know when a satellite is going to be overhead. No matter where you are, 
and you can block out a very short amount of time in order to enjoy ham radio uh, in 15 minute increments. So it uh, it's it's very satisfying. It's very flexible. It's very accessible, and uh, it's available to everybody regardless of license class. So it's a uh, it's a great way to enjoy your your amateur radio hobby, no matter who you are or what your living circumstances are. Great. Uh, when we were talking a little bit before uh, we actually started recording, you mentioned something uh, coming up in the satellite world that you're very excited about. You want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, as of um, late October 2022, there was a new satellite that was launched uh, that is called GreenCube. And GreenCube is... Um, a digipeter satellite. So it uses digital uh, communications protocols, much like, uh, you know, packet, for example. Uh, and it has a very high orbit compared to the low earth orbit satellites. As I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the low earth orbit satellites are around um, five or 600 kilometers above the surface of the earth. Green cube is several thousand kilometers uh, above the surface of the earth. And the orbit that it is on, and because of the, the height above Earth that the satellite is orbiting, satellite passes for Green Cube last around an hour. And the footprint, oh, wow. the, and the footprint, because the satellite is much higher in orbit, the footprint is a much greater distance. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I was able to decode for the very first time. Uh, I was able to decode uh, packets through the green uh, the green cube satellite this morning from here in central Illinois where I live I was able to decode signals from three stations in Japan so that is simply not mathematically possible to hear stations in Japan using low earth orbit satellites from my location here in Illinois. The footprints for the low earth orbit satellites don't reach that far. So now all of a sudden with this brand new satellite that got launched using uh, a digipeter instead of a voice uh, communications method, I can communicate thousands of miles across the planet through a satellite and communicate with many, many, many different countries, not just grid squares or states, but countries. And that is wow. very exciting to me. Yeah, that, that is a game changer. Big footprint, longer pastime. The possibilities are definitely going to open up. Wow, that's cool. The, the horizons, uh, no pun intended, but the horizons uh, for, uh, for the satellite operating community here in North America just, uh, just got very, very large. Very cool. And again, all of this is accessible to anybody with a technician class license. So as far as, uh, as getting into this, say you're a technician, you're just finding your way into the hobby, trying things out, see what you like, what's going to stick, what's not. Um, how much does it cost to get yourself set up to to be able to use the satellites? What do you, what kind of what kind of gear do you need? Well, just like every other hobby and just like every other aspect of amateur radio, you can start small and uh, get your feet wet without spending too much money. And then if you find yourself really interested in it, you can you know you can go whole hog and spend a lot of money and get a great station that will perform exceptionally well all of the time. To get started in satellite operating, really you need a, a couple of dual band HTs and a handheld dual band uh, directional antenna. Now there are a couple of 
antennas on the market that most satellite operators use. One is called the Aero antenna, which is a handheld. These are both handheld Yagi's that I'm describing. Uh, one is uh, the Aero antenna is a three element Yagi on two meters. And it also has seven elements on 70 centimeters and you hold it in your hand. It's about mm, three feet long or so, relatively lightweight, and you point it at the satellite as it's passing overhead. Uh, there's another option called an elk antenna, which is a broadband log periodic antenna that has five elements and it's about two and a half feet long. And it's the same thing. You point it at the satellite as it's passing overhead and uh, all of those elements on the handheld antennas give you a lot of gain and it's very directional. So you can point it right at the satellite as it's passing overhead and you will, you will get great performance from those uh, handheld antennas. To get started again, uh, to access the FM satellites, all you need are a couple of dual band handheld uh, radios. So uh, any, any radio that is, has a combination of two meters and 70 centimeters on it will work just fine. So one of the things that new FM satellite operators need to be mindful of is something called half duplex and full duplex. Um, Full duplex means that you can transmit a signal on one band and hear it through the satellite in real time on the other band. So, as I mentioned earlier, satellites function on a combination of 2 meters and 70 centimeters. The, the way satellites work is you will transmit on one band and you will receive on the other. So let's use AO91, the satellite that you heard in that audio clip just a little while ago. That satellite, you transmit up to it on 70 centimeters and you listen for your signals back from the satellite on two meters. So you need a radio that can transmit and receive on two meters and 70 centimeters at the same time. Being able to hear your own signal through the satellite in real time lets you know that you are actually making it into the satellite rather than somebody else with a louder signal or just better timing making it in instead of you. So that's a very critical aspect of it. There are not too many handheld HTs that have full duplex capability, so a lot of satellite operators use two different HTs, one for transmit and one for receive. Okay, so a lot of hams have multiple um, handheld radios as it is, so somebody who's got two handhelds is halfway there, all they need is the correct antenna and they can, they can do satellite stuff. That sounds, yeah, that sounds pretty simple, it's pretty accessible. Well, there's definitely a learning curve uh, with trying something new. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, it's uh, most people who uh, have a directional antenna are used to pointing the antenna uh, in the direction of the person they're trying to communicate with. And for satellite operating, that's not the case. You have to point your antenna at the satellite. And since the satellite is constantly moving overhead, you need to be able to uh, track that satellite in real time and make sure your antenna is pointing at it. And without getting into too much detail right now, there are lots of apps and websites that will uh, show you where a satellite is in real time. Great. Well, that's, uh, that's a really helpful overview of what it takes. Thanks a lot for that. Um, I, I know you could talk about satellite operating in, in way more depth than this, but, uh, but this is all we have time for. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. 
And uh, if people want to contact you, if they have questions, where can they find you? Oh, I'd be happy to help people get started in satellites. Uh, you can find me on qrz.com. My email address is there, kx9x at yahoo.com. Feel free to reach out. I'll do everything I can to help you get started. Very cool. Well, this has been Sean Kutzko, KX9X, here on the On the Air podcast. And thanks again, Sean, 73. Thanks for having me, 73.